we're in a series called The Compelling King. We're talking about not just some guy, but the king of the universe and his draw of us to him. We're talking about his greatness and we're talking about his vastness. Actually, we're talking about everything we find in the word of God. Right. And, and, you know, I got to tell you, we we here have uh, four pillars at Harvest. We talk about one of our pillars, preaching the word of God without apology. And we believe that with all our hearts. Every week we're going to come with a passage of scripture. We're walking through what God has to say. Right. And as we go through his word on on occasion, we can accidentally start thinking, because actually going into the word is really all about me. It's like a self-help for me, right? And and I walk accidentally, we start diving into the word because it's, well, it's helping my day get better, right? And really what we're doing in this series is we're saying, let's bust through the self-help think. Let's start looking at scripture from Genesis to Revelation and see the story of the compelling king from beginning to end. Who is this Jesus Christ and what's the draw? Let's make sure that we are absolutely celebrating all the aspects of him and his character. The compelling king. That's where we're at. So we started a couple weeks back with creation. The creating king. God said it. And it was. And it was very good. Genesis 1. God creating. And we covered at the end of that how in Genesis 3. Well then where did all the evil and hurt come from? What about the pain? Well, you have us to thank for that, right? It's about mankind going their own way, doing their own thing. It's about our sin stepping out. God's sovereign hand still in control, but he chooses to work with wills. And our will brought hurt and pain into this world. The creating king created with perfection. And now everything is unwinding because of mankind's choice. What does the creating king choose to do? Well, what would you choose to do? I mean, you're in charge of all. And all seems to be walking away. What do you do? The holy king of the universe could have done any number of things. He chose to stay in. To sustain. To remain. To draw back to himself. To recover what would be irrecoverable without him. To take and only do what the divine could do. And so the next week we looked at the preparing king. And the whole story of the Old Testament is really about him saying, hey... Wake up. Here's the game plan. Here's how I'm going to be working with you. Here's a little bit of a taste of my holiness, right? As you see the law. Here's what it's going to look like as I provide a sacrifice for you. And we looked at Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover. The preparing king was saying, it's all about the lamb coming in presented as spotless, right? And that was Palm Sunday. The lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And then five days later on Nisan the 15th, the sacrifice being made for you so that the the Lord could pass over. That's what was happening back in Exodus as they were released. God was using it as a model of what was happening with Jesus Christ himself. He was letting them know that there was a plan and God was on it. We have a creating king. We have a preparing king. Today we're looking at we have a serving king. We have a God who broke through from the supernatural into the natural world. He clothed himself with humanity and he literally came to serve you and me to make an impact in our lives. So the question we're answering today is simply this. Well, what can we learn about this serving king? 
And how should I be responding to him? So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 34. Ushers are coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. So if you need one, just get their attention. They'll get one to you, okay? Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 34. You know, this whole thing, as we look at Scripture, it's one big literary work. And we're in what's called the rising action now of literary work. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that phrase, rising action? I didn't either until about three weeks ago with my daughter and her L.A. class. So I'm learning more about literature as we go. But it's like the if you start with the intro, you begin to get this rising action of events occurring as things are beginning to unfold and make clear to you what's going to happen. And we're in the rising action as the almighty God breaks in to humanity. And he's got some things to say and some things to teach and some things to do. So let's learn from the serving king. The first thing, first point here, Jesus Christ's kingdom is not built on selfish gain. The phrase we could say, it's not about my fame. Jesus Christ's kingdom is not built on selfish gain. In fact, we can just say, it's not about my fame. Why don't you say it with me? You ready? Here we go. It's not about my fame. Now we'll put the emphasis on my and say it with me. It's not about my fame. You getting it? Somebody's fame's being lifted up. Jesus Christ himself. It's not about my fame. And even that king says, there's a time where I'm going to set it down. Listen to this. Here we go. Let's start in verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, Jesus, with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. There's this amazing sequence of events that's been going on as Jesus has been sharing with them of his kingdom and the coming authority and him as Messiah. And he's saying, you need to grasp this. I am going to be reigning on a throne and you 12 are going to be sitting on thrones next to me. And so these sons came home and they told their mom about it. Mom, you wouldn't believe it. He said there's going to be 12 thrones all around him and he's going to be in the middle and there's going to be this awesome kingdom and I get to serve on it. And the mom says, which throne is yours? And they're like, well, I don't know. I hope it's right next to him. And she's like, I hope so too. Let's make sure this happens. So she goes to him with something really important to say. She says, and he said to her, well, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in the kingdom. My request to you, in fact, hang on, not just a request, kneeling down, please put them next to you on either side. Make them really important. And Jesus is standing there. What would you think? Let's put yourselves in God's shoes for just a moment. This isn't a habit we want to put ourselves in, but pretend you've created the whole world. Have you, have you pictured that yet? That's a hard one to picture. You've created the whole world. It's all yours. Everything happens because of you. Here comes a little created being and says, make me really important too. (laughs) Right? That's what's going on. The created had a few requests to the creator. Jesus answers, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Now notice he's turning to the disciples at this point. Mom's been asking, but everybody knows where this is coming from. He looks at the guys and he says, you able to drink the cup 
that I'm going to drink? And the answer should be what? What should the answer be? Uh, no. Their answer, we are able. Oh, yeah, I got that one. I'll drink whatever cup you're drinking from. I don't even know what he means. Right? <laughs> Hand me the cup. Let's go. Sounds like a good metaphor. It's a metaphor, right? He doesn't mean really drink something, does he? I don't know what he means. We're there. Right? They're clueless to what's going on. Jesus is asking, can you really bear the weight of the entire world's sin upon your shoulders? That's what he's asking. I don't know what they're thinking. So Jesus now lowers it down to, well, let's be sure of this. I'm going to bear the weight of the world upon my shoulders through death. You are going to at least taste that. Check out what he says. You will drink my cup, but I don't control the seating charts. Right? To sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant. It is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. God the Father is in charge of the seating arrangements, okay? Go to the front table and look for your card and figure out what the number is. I'm not in charge of that, all right? I need you to grasp this. Not mine. The King of Kings has stepped aside from some authority and some privilege. God the Father is stipulating that. And Jesus Christ is saying, well, I'm stepping aside there. He's handling the problem for him. His reply is simply, be careful. You don't understand what you're asking. You know, a very wise woman said to me a couple weeks ago, the ruling ones, this is the ruling ones, the tall oaks, they're the ones that catch the wind. Think about that. If you're in charge of much, you have much wind to catch. Jesus is in charge of, well, everything. That's a lot of wind to catch. And they're saying, I'll do that with you. Be careful about what we really want, right? They're looking at a chair. He's looking at the cost of the chair. It's a big difference. I'm telling you, we have to be careful to make sure we're constantly saying this phrase. Let's say the phrase again one more time. It's not about my fame. It's not about the throne. It's not about the seating chart. It's not about the honor and the respect. It's not about how high we get lifted up. It's about who we're serving. Amen? May we constantly keep that focus. So the ten others, at least they're really mature. Jesus has a group of twelve. The ten others, well, they got it together, right? Well, when the ten heard this, they were indignant at the two brothers, right? They're like, oh, dog, God, they beat me to it. How did those two guys get there and ask that? And they pulled the mother card. How could they even, can you believe this? They got mama on her knees in front of them. I can't even believe. So the tenor over here, God, I don't even know if I can look at them right now. They've tried to take from me. Of course, if it was my chance, I'd have taken from them. But we're not talking about that right now, right? The indignant ones, jealous Beyond belief. Because in their eyes, it is about their fame. Right now, these guys still haven't grasped it. A couple years with Jesus Christ. Look at the patience of our Messiah Savior. As he's teaching and bringing them along. They still haven't grasped Christ's kingdom and his rule. They were jealous beyond belief. Why? 
Because pride will get the better of you. Because the more you think about yourself, the more we would define that as pride. In fact, I think the best definition of pride is thinking too much of self. That's what pride is. Pride is not thinking too high of self. Pride can also be thinking too low of self. Pride is just thinking too much about yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like every situation I'm in, it's kind of like, how does this affect me? How much am I raised up? How much am I shown off? That's pride. Does everybody understand how great I am? Right? Pride. How in the world does this make me look? Right? It's one of those questions. Pride. We have to be really careful. What is humility? The opposite, right? It's not thinking of self at all. See, often people define humility as thinking poorly of yourself. That's not humility. Oh, man, I'm so terrible. I couldn't even do this. I look like such a loser in front of everybody. Ah, right? That's not humility. That's actually pride in reverse. It's still all about me. I just wish I could succeed more, right? It's still all about me. We have to be careful about the pride we have in our lives. Trust me, we all have it there. We have to be really careful. How do I know if I have it in my life? Top four indicators you've got pride in your life. Number one, criticizing and you're gossiping others against others. Criticizing and gossiping. Have you ever noticed that? The more you want it about you and it's not going that way, the more you're going to reach out to tear somebody else down. If I can get them down, then maybe, just maybe, it could be more about me. Right? Criticizing and gossiping. It's a sign and an indicator that pride's going on. i got to tell you, it's also an indicator that there's some kind of rampant sin that you're allowing in your life. You've got to figure out which one it is and what's going on. But you've got some block between you and God. Because I'm telling you, this is not in his character. Every time I catch myself in one of these moments, I've also got something going on I'm not releasing. What is it that's making it more about you? Criticizing and gossiping. That's number one. Number two, refusal to admit you're wrong. I will not say I'm wrong, Right? And I got to tell you, every time I talk to somebody who has this answer, they follow it up with a wonderful piece of logic that goes like this. If you give them an inch, then they'll take a... Right, okay. So we all get it. We know the logic. So I can't tell them I'm wrong here because they might then say I'm wrong there. But the reality is what we're really doing at that point is we're taking a position, we're drilling deep with a post that says, I will not admit fault. And in that moment... It has become all about how I look. It has become all about me. Be very careful. Make sure you're ready to admit your fault where and when it exists. Humbly, willingly, quickly. Let God take care of the rest. Hey, if they misunderstand and they assume then your fault for way more, it'll come out in due time. Be patient. Watch God work. You'll be amazed what he does with your soft heart. First was criticizing. Second is refusal to admit error. Third, refusal to follow leadership. Did you know that? Scripture actually says that God has given leaders to lead his chosen ones. The church is actually structured around leadership. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's a bit self-serving. You're like, yeah, easy for you to say, right? You're sitting as senior. Hey, I got people over me. Right? Like we have an elder board that we sit under. It, this is not a one-man show or whatever. We've got protection in place so that we all are not run by humanity, but by God himself. Amen? Amen? And we have to be careful 
that we lead as such. God allowing his leadership to flow down through. And as I sit under and as you sit under and as we all sit under, it goes a lot better. I'm just saying, okay? So following leadership. When we say, I won't follow that one, what we're saying is, when I won't follow that one, God, who you've assigned, no thank you. I'm against you now. That's a big moment. Shaking your fist at God and saying, I don't like who you presented to me. Not going to take that one. Dangerous moment. Be careful. I got to tell you, number one complaint that I hear against somebody who says, I won't follow that leader. Number one complaint. They're too prideful. Are you hearing it? Wait a minute. Hang on. Isn't pride actually saying I won't follow? And then you're saying they're prideful, but you, what, what? You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a catch 22 you just can't get out of. I'm telling you, the bottom line is when God puts somebody in charge, humbly, gently working with, and there's scriptures to work on it with, and where there's mistakes, it's, you know, there's ways to confront, and I'm not saying it's blind following, and that's not the passage we're in today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but be careful following God's leadership. As he so provides men, whether it be from Romans 13 or 1 Peter 5 or Hebrews 13 or wherever you want to come from, make sure you're allowing God to lead through those he's put in charge. If not, it's gut check time. Number four, just demanding your own way in general. I want it on channel 32. I don't want to eat that tonight. I'm not sitting in the back seat of the car. I said we're going this direction to get home. If everything has to be you weighing in all the time, you might want to consider what's really taking place. I'm just a little bit more type A. Type A. You know what that means? That means prideful. Right? It's, It's our way of defining a personality, but then we justify every level of control possible. Let's be careful, okay? There are people that are more take charge. I'm okay with that. But we've somehow lumped that thing over the top and we let them have every sin in the book and say, well, they're type A. Right. So my answer to this is simple. I've said it before a number of times, but God doesn't give sin as a personality. Let that settle. Okay. God doesn't give sin as a personality. So I'm okay if he's put you in a more of a take charge role. Do it in a godly fashion. Amen. Amen. All right. All too often we can make it all about ourselves. Pride. But it's not. It's actually not about my fame. Thank you. It's not about my what? Fame. Yeah, it's not about my pride either. I heard that in the back. I'll go with that one too, right? <laughs> either way, we got to make sure that we set this thing down all together. You know, I've talked about this illustration before, but um, have you ever played the game where you put some objects in the middle, you count the number of people you have, and you put one less object than the number of people, Right? And, and then, so we call it spoons, maybe. You've heard that, right? And so then, now you've got enough cards so everybody can have four cards and you start passing them around. And when you get four of a kind, you reach into the middle and you grab a spoon, right? But it doesn't end there. Once somebody's grabbed a spoon, it's everybody else's job to get as selfish as possible and dive into the middle, drawing blood if you have to, to get the other spoon, right? What a fun game, isn't it? And we're like, kids, come here, let me teach you a game, right? And, and, and what are we teaching them? Like, it's all about you, man. And if you see somebody else grab, grab fast, right? That's the game. 
the world teaches. Yeah, it's got comp- competition to it, and, and we could say it's fun at times. The reality is we have to make sure we're not playing that game when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ. When it comes to our walk in general, it's not the game of spoons. It's the game of give it away. Imagine how you blow that game up. When a guy gets a match and he reaches in and you're like, here, would somebody like my spoon? <laughs> right? And they're like, dude, you don't play that way. That's the way I play. Well, then you're out. <laughs> okay, I'll go sit over here then. Right? It, the game of spoons is quite opposite than the game of giveaway, right? And the reality is Jesus Christ is asking us to give it away. It's not about my fame. How many times per week do you wish that you were recognized more? You're like, how could they have said that to them and not to me? Why did they not notice that I dot, dot, dot? How many times a week do you carry the hallmark of the evil one? I will be like the most high. May we set that hallmark down. Amen? Lord, it's not about my fame. It's all about you and you shown off in my life. My request to you is this. Find it and kill it. It's in your life. We're born with it. Where's it showing up? Find it and kill it. That's our goal this week. Amen? Amen. All right. Find it and kill it. It's not about my fame. Number two, Jesus modeled serving and sacrifice. So here's a phrase we can say. Who and how can I serve? Say it with me. Who and how can I serve? That's a question we can ask of God. Who, Lord? How, Lord? Who and how can I serve? Where do you want me at in this whole picture? Let's just jump in here. Jesus has a problem on his hands. So notice this, parents. Notice this, small group leaders. Notice this one who's leading a person or a group of people in any way, shape, or form. Jesus shows you how to handle a problem. He's got ten people ticked at two people and a mother on her knees bleeding for something. There's a total mess of chaos going on and Jesus has a solution. Jesus called them to him. Are you hearing it? All right, everybody out of the pool. Come over here. Everybody come over here. I need you to sit down. Everybody over here. Well, I... I I I don't want to talk about it. Sit down. We have something to talk through, right? Do you know what he did? I know what happened. Just relax. We're going to talk through something here at a little bit bigger picture than that, right? Jesus then says, who wants to speak first? Is that what he says? No, Jesus has something to say, right? Call him out of the pool, sit him down. Let's set the structure. Let's make sure we understand what's going on. I want to give you a few markers here, guys. Here's a mark that you need to know. The mark of the world. You know the rulers of the Gentiles. Yeah, they lord it over each other. And their great ones exercise authority over them. They basically walk around saying, it will be all about me. You are here for me. That's the mark of the world. Okay? The mark of the kingdom. It says right after it. It shall not be so among you. Knock it off, is what he's saying, right? Please stop what you're doing. It will not be this way among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. He's increasing the power of the word. At first it's servant, like be willing to help them out, be there for them. And and now it's slave, bond slave is the actual Greek word. It means you don't own a thing, you don't have a say in the thing, you have nothing to say, but what do you want from me? Okay, you need to have that approach in life. And God will raise you up in due time. It says the first will be the servers. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense. How do you, if you don't assert yourself, how do they know you? Trust me, God's got it under control. Lean on his sovereign hand. He basically has a statement for him that says, I want you to start following me. So the mark of the world is it's all about me. The mark of the kingdom, it's not about me. The mark of the king. He says, even as the son of man came, Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To serve and to ransom. That's what I'm here for, guys. Hey, let's grasp this. Newsflash. The creator of the universe has humbled himself and clothed himself with humanity. I have come before you, the son of man, and I have literally taken on the hurts and the needs of this world. I have gone to a knee before you. And I'm reaching out and I'm taking your foot and I am wiping the very dirt that I've created off of your foot. And the stink of your foot is in my face as I show you humility and servanthood. Grasp my model. That's where I'm headed is serving Leads to higher levels. Don't come asking for the high position. Come trying to find the low position. And where you can serve. I'll raise you up in due time. And hear me on this. Low position doesn't necessarily mean no serving. Or no no leading. It it might mean that God raises you up to various levels of leadership. But I got to tell you. Not without a servant heart. Not in my kingdom. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. In my kingdom, it's the servant heart that gets raised up. We're turning it upside down, boys. Get used to it. I got to tell you, our job is to find out who we can serve and how we can serve. Let it just run through your mind for a second. Just contemplate. Who? Who do you run into where maybe you could literally say, how can I help out? Not because it'll make me look better. Not because it'll show me off. But just because you have a need, what could I do? Or how, Lord, how do you want me serving? What's my possible roles here? Who and how? Let's put it this way. In the world, right, this is how it works. You, you go out and you work in a, in a job, right? And you, and you begin to gain some experience and, and you record these things over time, right? We call it a resume, Maybe it's a pride list. We've got to be careful with it, right? But we make our resume of what we're doing and what we're accomplishing. And then we go to the next company that we're looking to move to, and we're like, here is all I've done, right? And as we show them the list, we expect them to go, ooh, right? And now I'll raise you up a notch, and I'll start you here. Before you were here, now I'm starting you here, right? And now you do some things, and we record more. And then you go to the next, and you're like, here's my resume, right? And it's longer, and, and so we raise them up, and we raise them up. And, and so what's the world's really, what's our model? Go in 
with a good list of what you've accomplished, sell it big, make sure they grasp all that you've done and all that you are so that you constantly get placed higher and higher up, right? Welcome to the world, right? And it's not wrong to communicate accomplishments, especially when asked. I mean, trust me, false humility isn't really what God's getting after either. It's not when the guy says, so tell me a little bit about what you've done. Oh, I haven't done anything, right? And you like run companies. Like that's not a good answer. Well, I've been blessed with a lot of opportunities. And, and God's let me lead in a couple of companies. And Like it's great to answer when asked, okay? Don't, don't take me wrong on this. But the world's approach is sell yourself. I've got to tell you, the church isn't structured like that. The servant heart is not structured like that. When you come into this church and you're like, hey, I love what's going on here. I love what God's doing here. You should see what I've done at other churches. Let me pull out my resume for a second, right? Here's all that I've done. Now place me in a lofty position, right? And our answer is, yeah, we're not going that way. Say it with me. What's our answer? Yeah, get used to saying that. I'm telling you, it's not immediate raise up. It's, are you ready to serve? Let's see what God's got in store. You're going to be amazed. And there's times where you start serving and you're like, "Ah, give me a badge. I'll go shake some hands and greet or let me do some ushering or, hey, how about some needs in the children's and checking in? And do you need somebody to set up at six in the morning? I'll be a part of that. And, And it turns out that I got so much more firepower than that. God knows. You'll be used. Be patient and serve with all you've got. Watch the servant heart. Be an amazing tool to shape you, to model to others, and God raises up in due time. I'm telling you, this church will be built on the servant heart. Amen? Amen. This church will be built on the servant heart. Get used to it. I like that resume thing. I know. It works a lot faster, doesn't it? I get a lot more attention that way, right? It's not about our attention. It's not about our fame. It is about God What do you want accomplished in this church? And I can guarantee you that serving is what it's about. And a servant heart often gets quickly recognized. And God's moving and shaping. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to go into it, but I got illustrations for you where I sat for years in positions serving, just doing whatever God asked and never being asked to step up and just continue to serve there and watched him grow me in my heart for serving and for shepherding. And in due time, God raises up. Just hang on and watch him use you right where you are and the opportunities available. That's the call, to just jump in, whatever the need, and fill it. God is an amazing God of growth in that way. Amen? Amen. All right. So our church, it's not about my fame. Our church, who and how can I serve? Those need to be our hallmarks. My question for you is this. If God is building his church and he is a king who serves, what do you think he's going to ask you to do in his kingdom? If Jesus Christ can serve, how much more can we? Amen? That's what it's about. So my question to you is this. Are you willing to sit under? Are you willing to say, wherever, God, let's serve. Let's get it on because it's all about you. I want you glorified. Are you willing to make sure that it's him getting the fame, him getting the glory, him being lifted up, him being shown off? That's what this church is all about. 
Are you willing to join with us and be a part of that? Let's make sure our king is absolutely modeled. The serving king who clothed himself with humanity and dealt with those around him. So it's not about our fame. Who and how can I serve? The third piece. His serving power changes lives. Lord, have mercy is the phrase. Lord, have mercy. Now, I got to tell you, originally I was going to stop at verse 28. And we we're going to delve in a little bit more on serving and who Christ was as a server and go into some other verses on his serving. And here's what I missed. Is this last section is like the exclamation point on Jesus Christ's statement. This last piece is about serving as a king. Right? Because that's, that's this weird conf- conflict that we got going on. We've got him serving, but he's in charge of everything. We've got him with all power on his knee. What's that look like? Here's what it looks like. It says, and as they were on their way out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. He was being tracked by a number of people. And behold, you know, like, check it out, right? That's what that means. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They cried out with two statements about him. Number one is just a statement of respect, like a person. Lord, it means sir. Sir, could you hear from me? But then they go one step further and they respect his position. Son of David. King. Rightful heir to the throne of all of Israel. Would you please hear from me? Have mercy. Notice what they didn't say. Look, we have suffered long enough. My word. Are you seriously going to walk past us again? Right? Is that what they're saying? Come on. We've done. It's not fair. Right? Is that what they're saying? No. Have mercy. Give me what I don't deserve. Pour on me right now what I don't deserve, Lord. Please hear from me. In that moment, the crowd, being so mature themselves, verse 31, the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more. The crowd rebuked them. Why? I got to tell you, because in the Jewish community, they believed that if you sinned, you suffered, right? Which isn't untrue. But then they started saying, so any physical ailment, any anything must be God saying, eh, you failed. And so for some reason, you're struggling with this. And will you please stop disrupting us and go get your life clean? Okay. So they're asking him to go away and do something instead of actually stand in the presence of the Messiah. Jesus Christ has something to say himself. Verse 32, and stopping, Jesus called them. And said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. I love this piece. You know, when God asks us to pray and request of him, he doesn't ask us to be in all false humility with these vague generalities when there's really a specific thing we're looking for. What do you want from me? I just want to be happy, Lord. Right? Is, is that what they're saying? I, I don't know. Just help me to be able to make it through each day. I want to see. That would be a starting point. Lord, could you heal my eyes? That would be exactly where I'm at, right? And in that moment, the Lord responds. He's heard him say, have mercy. He's heard him say, Lord. He's heard him say, son of David. He knows their heart. He sees their faith. He hears their respectful request. And he responds. 
It says, and Jesus in pity touched their eyes. Jesus in pity touched their eyes. He had this moment of experience inside of him where he had this emotional welling up of hurt and pain. The creator of the universe had set everything in motion. And in that moment, he's looking and saying, it was so not to be this way. You have so brought hurt upon yourselves. And he's reaching out in pity as he touches them. And it doesn't say where he touched them. Was it on the head or was it on... This is my wife, so it's okay. (laughs) Was it on the head or was it on the arm? Or where was he touching them? But as he touched them, in that moment, power shot through him into them. And the natural body was physically changed as their eyes literally lit up for the first time. And they saw something they had never seen before. God Almighty changing their eyes right before him. Try this with me. Close your eyes as tight as you possibly can. Like squeeze them really tight, okay? And now look up at the light. Can you see just a little bit of light coming through? Just a, Now ease up the squinting. Just ease it up a little. See how it gets a little brighter? Okay, now open your eyes just a pinch, just barely. So like you can almost not focus and you just see a bunch of blurry light. Now open your eyes all the way. You find yourself having to open them like three or four times first because you've been squinting, right? That's what happened to them. And as they open their eyes and they now see, they see blue and they see green and they see purples and they see the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself with his hand upon them and the power has just shot through them and something that has been broken for a lifetime is now not and they are literally standing in awe of the serving king who has power amen and that's what we're about he comes into this world to serve this world with authority and power to make an impact and may we never say he came to heal the physical wow what a mess he healed the physical to make it clear I have authority in the supernatural world. You need to hear from me on this. I am the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I am your God. The power of healing was a message to listen to what he had to say. And in that moment, they were touched. Notice what it says right after it. It says, and they recovered their sight and they followed him. Do you think Can you imagine? I mean, like, bam, and you see, and you're like, cool, thanks. Is that what you're going to do? You're just going to wander away? Are you kidding me? Your life was just rocked. Everything is now different. Who knows what I'm going to do tomorrow, but I can tell you what I'm going to do today. Where are you going? I'm with you. And he's right there with whatever he has to say. Shut up. He's talking. Be quiet. What? Right? Can you just see the immense involvement in what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is doing? This is my king. He has my attention. That is our healing king, our serving king. He came into this world to impact you and me for a lifetime. May we give him our attention. May we give him our all. Our serving king deserves our very, very most. Amen? May we never get caught up and getting attention because it's him that deserves the attention may we never get caught up 
in my little small cup or thimble of whatever being so raised up when it's his vastness of the universe that's what it's all about. That's you and me getting our focus correct when we look at the king. In this moment, as we're walking through scripture, we are seeing the whole of God unleashed upon humanity right in their presence as he bows to a knee, as he explains serving, as he tells them what pride is not good for and what he tells them it is good for. Like, get rid of it. It's good for nothing. Serve and watch my kingdom explode onto the scene. Hey, the world has that whole pride thing down. Let them have it. Let's go with the message that we know a king that can change your life. It's time to serve him with all you've got. You'll never experience more satisfaction in your life. Amen? That's what it's all about. Our serving king. May we go out with that in mind. Let's just close in prayer now. And I'm just going to ask you to take a moment here. Go ahead and close everything up. Let's just take a moment before him to just reflect on this, our statement. Let me pray.